2: Welcome to it. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. As always, Troy is alongside me on Mondays. What's up, good sir? How's it going? I'm just, I'm vibing. Oh, this song is 1985's road. The Family. The song is called Mutiny. Me. Mm. Now one does me wrong. Oh, he gets away with it. <laughs> I said
3: I'm taking the ball.
2: Should have been a little more hip. hip. Yeah, I found this album. I I do uh, on Saturdays after I get errands done, fill the car with gas and make sure all the replays for the station are going to run correctly. I stopped by a local record store and... uh, do a little, uh, little browsy-brows? Yeah, a little, you know, flip through the vinyls. It's, it's a fun thing, to, even if I can't find something. Right. It's fun to do. Right. And I'm flipping through the, have what just came in, and some bins right at the front desk. And I'm flipping through it, and I go, Whoa, the family? 1985? And that's essentially a Prince alter ego. He was producing so much material. This is insane. I, and I just listened to an interview with Susan Rogers, who was his main sound engineer, Uh, throughout the Purple Rain era. And number one, she's saying he's doing a song a day where it would take a regular band at that time, a week at least, to do a song. But he's doing a song a day. He's creating so much material that what he would do is, okay, I'm going to record the time like Ice Cream Castles. He would record everything, play all the instruments, even do the vocals like Morris Day. Like He'd put on that character and he'd just have Morris redo the vocal track. Same thing with uh, at the time, before Purple Rain, it was Vanity 6, but then it was Apollonia 6. Recorded all that music. All the vocals just had her sing the vocal track. Then had The Family, which, again, wrote all the songs, recorded everything, played everything, then has them... sing the vocal tracks, including his girlfriend, I believe, at the time, Susanna. But it's such a good album. So he'd go on tour essentially releasing three albums at once, and he would have a few live bands to play for him. And it's like super producers. Those are the folks I'm interested in. The folks behind the scenes who are writing and making all the music. Not the big star up front.
4: Well, before we went to Auburn, you were gonna do that, right? Yeah. And I... I recorded a lot.
2: I mean, most of it, in my opinion, looking back, was crap. Me just fooling around too much in my own head. But uh, that computer that I had everything on, that'd be 30, 40 songs, mm-hmm. um, crashed. Yeah. I didn't have it backed up. You didn't have it backed up. Yeah. I bet you felt. Oh, I felt like a big fat idiot. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I have a few things that I. Save stuff I posted online, right? I think you would remember it. Gosh, the Groove Patriot, Groove Patriot, yes, that was it. Yes, Groove Patriot. I'm trying to think here. Let me see. We've got YouTube pulled up here. Let me see. I'm just gonna go to uh, hmm, uh, I hope heaven, yeah, this is one, yeah. Okay, I hope heaven finds you. This is one I actually recorded when I came to Montgomery. After we, I left Auburn and graduated. And I recorded this at the house. I can remember... I wrote it on acoustic guitar. And the most embarrassing part is the vocal. By far. Wait for it.
3: It's the truth I swear I miss
2: you From happy days past It's
4: alright Back when I <laughs> Always oh, great. I'm just I'm waiting on like Love Like in my mind I'm imagining this as like Someone in the shower and It's gonna be like A Hurt <laughs> <laughs> Plus Commercial I'm getting a perk plus vibe out of this. Oh, now I'm not. Stretch
2: yourself,
4: right?
2: Yeah, you get know, her a crack the in the bone. Because it's difficult for me to get over here.
4: I wouldn't even attempt it, me personally. No. Yeah, you're not going to
2: try that high note.
4: No, there would there would be an article out in the next day about how all the dogs in the city of Montgomery began howling, and no one knew why. It's because I tried to hit a high note.
2: Yeah, I don't want to scare the dogs
4: or the cats. Yeah, well, sometimes they're it, you got to keep them fresh. Got to well, keep the cats fresh. Keep them on their toes. When well, you bringing this up, it it does bite. I lost
2: all that stuff I made. It's like, all that, that computer crash moment's coming back to me. Thanks, Troy.
4: You chose to feel this way. Yeah, no, I know. I'm not going to blame you. I okay. wanted to blame you for a second. but If, if, if you want to blame me, that's fine. I blame myself, not you. But I'm not personally feeling anything right. about no, it. Because you're choosing to feel the way you are. Yeah, I, I know. That's how it, how it works out. If you change
2: your own attitude, you'll realize that... Like, people say, I want to move to a new city. I've said that. Mm-hmm. I, I was born and raised in Montgomery escaped to Auburn for a little while but I'd like to see the world Right, but I have this suspicion that if I moved to a new city all the stuff that I thought was oh I just gotta find a new venue, a new setting, new place I would actually carry my prison with me and it's not where I live it's not even the people it's, it's me, I'm the problem if I'm unhappy it's most likely something I'm doing
4: that's true. I think, you know, it's a shame we can't call in the resident expert on this. Stella. Stella? From Stella Got Her Groove Back. Oh, right, right. She would she would be able to let us know. How she got her groove back? No, she would. She could give us an insight into the process of not taking a prison with you.
2: Right,
4: right. Because it's it's self-contained.
2: It's like, I don't know, most of my screw-ups in life... There are a few things out of my control, but most miserable things in life, like, yeah, Joey, you did it to yourself. Like that one girl. I don't want to go into all the details, but when I finally told her off, and I told you that I told her. With an A? Yeah. Okay. And I told you that I told her off, you're like, finally. Yeah.
4: Because I never want to be the
2: a-hole. I don't want to be. I don't want to be the
4: cold or ice cold. All right, all right, all right. I don't want to be that way. You know that's that's interesting because I get the distinct impression that if you're not emotionally involved with it, you have no problem being that person.
2: Yeah, actually you're right. The, that's my deal is
4: cuz I'm the same that way. Yeah.
2: Yeah, well I, I was trying to explain this the other night. I'm so committed to commitment that I'm I have a commitment issues. Here's what I mean is that I when I commit to something, I commit.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Even to my own detriment. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So I think, well, maybe let's give this person more of a chance, more of a chance. And it's like, nope, it's not helping you out, man. Until <laughs> You're I finally tearing
4: me apart, Lisa. Right.
2: Oh, Lisa! Yeah. That's such a good name to yell to the heavens, Lisa.
4: <laughs> anyway, did you watch the Oscars? No, no, I didn't. I was. Uh, it was the opening weekend for MLS. Oh, okay. And so I was getting my soccer on. How is the American Soccer League these days? Huh? The MLS, yeah. the NASL, or the USL? Any of them. Okay, the MLS is doing great. Yeah. The USL, it's second division, so it's like... it thats It's for soccer purists and hipsters. Okay. Um, and then the NASL is not having a season.
2: Oh, well, that's unfortunate.
4: Yeah, theres it's in arbitration right now, but it doesn't look like it's happening.
2: Now, do we have any players in the MLS that are renowned mm-hmm. internationally?
4: For the United States, yeah. Uh, there's a couple. There's, I mean, there's renowned, and then there's you failed to make the World Cup, you chumps, renowned. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we got a bunch of those, Joe. yeah, yeah. We got a bunch yeah. of those, but there's in in terms of internationally renowned, I'd probably go with in the MLS. A lot of them play for Toronto <laughs> FC. Um, Josie Altador, Michael Bradley.
2: I remember Michael Bradley. Yeah. I remember that name.
4: Mm-hmm. And then there's a guy named Sebastian Giovinco who could have played for the United States but instead, and and this was a really shrewd decision, very mm-hmm. yes. very good. Yes. decided to play for Italy. Mm. And he's just he's just this tiny little Italian rocket. Yeah, but isn't
2: Italian soccer like the dainty soccer? Like there's a lot of faking going on. It's on the uh, on the football field, not I'm sure there's faking going I on. I use elsewhere. this
4: I use this word and I want it to catch on, but for some reason it never it never catches on. The word you're looking for is histrionics. Really? Yes. There's a lot of histrionics in Italian soccer. However
2: In the histrionics is kind of a play
4: acting. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So uh you draw contact and you fall. In basketball they call it a flop.
2: Okay. Mr
4: yeah. Mr. Beard James Harden does it a lot. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's Rodman a lot
2: used to do that uh, beautifully,
4: masterfully for yeah. the ball. He was he was the troll of the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: in Italian, there's a lot of flops or
4: it's a tr- play well, acting, not more so than in other European or South American leagues, hmm. or even in um, North American leagues. Their style of football, I'm going to call it football. Okay. Is uh. It's a lot more tactical. So the games tend to be more boring because they're more defense-based. Whereas in English football, you have a lot more vibrant attack because it's based on speed and athleticism. Now, there are some new managers. I mean, if you take a look at Manchester City, they're in first place right now by like 18 points. Mm. And they played Chelsea, who won the league last year this weekend and they completed like a record 902 passes so they they play some really pretty soccer Okay, um, and that, that's a lot more tactically based than what it traditionally is which is just oi hoof it up to the toe guy <laughs> you know no, I,
2: I can, let me ask you this question why why isn't football is it known around the world soccer here you think caught on in the United States in the same way it's caught on other places around the world is it America's unique, like, we're American, nope. damn it. You don't think that's
4: it? Nope. I'll tell you exactly what it is. American soccer hasn't become popular because the outreach that soccer has is typically limited to upper middle class and upper class families. Hmm. Now, anybody can go get a ball and put a couple cans up I was about as to say. goals. Anybody yeah. can do that. In fact, it would stand to reason that it would be the easiest sport in the United States to go and play. Right. But it's not. There's a lot of paywalls. Huh. It's like, especially once you get to the club level and the ODP level, there's a lot you have to pay for every tournament. And when you pay for tournaments, you have to pay for lodgings. You have to pay to travel. So you kinda... have to pay to be on the team. You have to pay for your uniform. Everything. It's like sports gentrification almost. Like, well, there w- Well, there was nothing to gentrify. Okay. It was just... It's when it
2: started they set up
4: I where, sound like one of them darn liberals <laughs> here, but it really is kind of a class thing. Yeah. And if we could tap into that resource of lower class individuals or people who are really athletic but don't have access to play soccer because of those paywalls, if we could tap into that my, in the world. my God. Yeah. I mean, it would take, I would say it would take at least a decade, if we started today, it would take at least a decade to see the fruits of our labors, but it would look
2: good. Well, and it makes sense to me, because the United States tends to dominate in any team sport, other than maybe hockey, but if you think worldwide, baseball, basketball... Well, American football is its own thing. Right. But the United States has such a talent pool and it's so diverse that you would think we'd be amazing at soccer.
4: Right. And, and that's why when you look at countries like India with its billions of people, you're like, why aren't you good at this? Right. And that's, I mean, I don't want to boil it down to the caste system, but th- they certainly don't have people who know how to find talent. And this is the same problem for us they don't know how to find talent and they don't know i don't want to say exploit the talent but they don't know how to nurture that talent in the right way like right. when Jurgen Klinsmann came to the united states to coach the us men's national team he said i want our players to not play in mls so all the nationalists and all the people who really they had a huge stake in the mls were like no all right well, we want them to go play internationally because that's where the best players are. Exactly. And that's where the, where they will learn how to be not only a professional, but how to give 1,000% of themselves in a manner of speaking that is different than the 1,000% of themselves, I would assume that they give on a day-to-day basis in the MLS.
2: See, this is the one subject, folks. He has many, but this is the one where Troy really gets going.
4: I, I, I didn't realize that.
2: You do, though. Yeah, like you love football or soccer, you love it.
4: Yeah, it, it it gives me meaning.
2: Yeah, you still watch. I'm so assuming you just mentioned Manchester City. You're watching. Is the Premier League almost up, or when is that? Take that's place? that's
4: what Manchester City's in. Yeah.
2: Okay, it's Premier League's going on right now.
4: Yeah, there's a uh, nine or eight games left in the season. There's also the Champions League going on, and then not to mention every team has its own sort of local cup, like the FA Cup. Okay. Yeah. Tottenham's doing well. Their rivals... The Spurs? Yeah. Yeah. Their rivals' arsenal, not so well. They've lost 10 games this season. Tottenham, we've lost nine in the last two seasons. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This is a like, it's a like, It's like an Auburn-Alabama thing. Oh, okay. Like, that's how intense this is.
2: See, we're trying to translate it to, I think, most people here listening. and,
4: I, Well, I, I mean, I think... Some... Uh, people, they understand the Iron Bowl rivalry. Oh, yeah. If I could couch... Tottenham versus Arsenal, the North London derby. I don't know why it ended <laughs> the Australian derby. No, it's a, it's a derby. Um, <laughs> Careful, Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> the sun will melt your wax wings. <laughs> if I could couch it in terms of the Iron Bowl, it is the exact same. Except they're a lot closer together because they're both teams out of North London, not just London, but North London. And there's a huge whole history there. I won't get into it right now because I'm going to get upset. Right. But suffice it to say, Arsenal bought their way into the league in like 1913. Oh, those bastards. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones. Two seven two nine two two eight. Two seven
2: two nine two two eight. You're on there. Who's this? Hey, it's Hardshell. Hey, Hardshell. What's up, man? Uh, not too much. And this is not what I
1: called about, but I found that last uh, discussion fascinating. Uh, uh, I don't know enough about. Uh uh, soccer or European football or whatever to or to disagree or agree with Troy. I'm going to take his word for it all. To me, growing up, it seemed like young kids have an interest, and then the older you get, the more that interest is sort of dampened mm. by the system, the powers that be. And I think the, the, the lack of uh, support and interest at the higher levels in America has everything to do with the big three, if you will, team sports having, you know, a century or more of a head start. I mean, there, there's a lot of politics that goes into baseball, football, and, and to a lesser extent,
2: basketball.
4: That's true. I was definitely pushed to play other sports, and I stuck with soccer. I know you played basketball and football, Joey. Yeah, I did. Did you ever play soccer?
2: I never did. My brother did. Will well, did. Yeah. He had a hell of a foot on him for a while. And yeah. Then he, I don't know.
1: Well, I'm, I'm older than, than both of y'all, I assume. And I, I, I played soccer a little bit growing up, you know, and and I was pushed away from it and toward Little League Baseball and toward basketball and, and you know.
2: See, but so when he, I played uh, Little League Baseball, uh, I got a bad taste in my mouth because it was so political. Because I my dad didn't, like, talk up for me with the coach and didn't schmooze the coach. I was quiet. I would always start at the bottom of the lineup. The batting order and end up either first or second in the batting order because it was fast enough to get on base in little league, and it was just. And every year it was a losing team, bunch of stupid politics with playing the sun or whatever. So I just stopped. Um, same basketball too. I I quit for political reasons. But that happened. I, I played in
1: basketball soccer. all through high school, but I gave up on the others. But I was uh, I loved little league baseball, and I was just. Tremendously mediocre, and I was I was growing up around some really really talented players, so I just you know it faded away for me. I will say I chuckled at the histrionics uh, discussion. We, we do have the equivalent in American football, but it's the uh, place kickers. They're the masters. That they, if you if you if you, if you make wind past them, they they're going to act like they were had a bone broken trying to draw that penalty. And nothing against them. I grew up with some of the best, in, in the and, and they ever hmm. played, but uh, it, it's funny. But that all of that said, and I'll get off in just a second. Uh, that is not what I, I called about that song you played, Joey.
2: Yeah, which one?
1: The the one the your song, my song.
2: Yes. Yeah. What about it? What What year did you record that? Uh, let's see. I published it on January
1: twenty fifth, twenty fourteen. Really? Okay. Yeah. Because it it sounded, it it took me back to late 80s, early 90s, a little bit the sound. It reminded me, until you got to the chorus, a little bit of uh, Lou Graham, uh, Midnight Blue, that sort of thing. And then the chorus took a different turn.
2: That chorus Uh, took a different turn because I was listening to a lot of Muse at the time. So it kind of had this heavy walk down with the distorted guitar coming in. But that was there was nothing wrong with that. That's yeah. better than most folks could do, man. Uh, kudos. Maybe I should get back into it.
1: I, do it. Maybe so. Mm. Maybe so. But I, I, I just wanted to say I enjoy that. I could listen to that. Well, that was thank great. you. I appreciate it, Hardshell. I, I was impressed. You have yet another layer to the onion that uh, that I didn't know about. That's that's fascinating. Mm. Anyway, great show. Enjoyed it. Uh, talk to y'all later.
2: All right. Take care, man. Thanks, Hardshell. And let's put that person on hold and well. Since I got a -a that-a-boy thank you They like me, they really like me, Troy Uh, I'll go out with this
4: You're gonna take it on a date?
2: Gonna take it on a date? Yeah Oh yeah, I'm gonna wine it, dine it, stand up Oh wait, I can't (laughs) say that What is it, 69 degrees in here? Oh yeah Yeah, it felt like a balmy 69 in here But yeah, let's go out This is me this is my song. It's called I Hope Heaven Finds You. Uh, you listen to the Joey Clark Radio Hour alongside me, Troy. We'll be coming back. 272-9228. You want to join in on the discussion. Coming into is desire so
3: long we know
2: by the family, so 1985. I was telling Troy off air. It reminds me of newer stuff. I mean, it's, it's a little dated with the sounds they use in it. But I like it a lot
3: because
2: I like stuff like this. Mm-hmm.
3: Realness,
2: we do show. Faces. It that horn faces. line is what gets me. Uh, you, you might guess what I was doing this morning. Uh, and now let's go to the phones and talk to K Rod. K Rod, what's up? Hey,
0: uh, first off, really like that song, man. That was nice. Oh, thanks. You did. You said you published it? Is there a place to find that? Or? Yeah,
2: look it up on YouTube. Just type in Joey oh. Clark. I hope heaven finds you.
0: Okay, sounds good. Um, I was going to talk about soccer. Yeah. And I also wanted to uh, echo what I think it was Hardshell said about politics in little league baseball. It's crazy when my, uh, my oldest son played how much it was very much the coach's kid. Um, if you didn't schmooze or do, you know, do a lot of extra, or you know, it was almost pay-to-play type stuff. Uh, ever since uh, a few years ago, my son started playing soccer for the AYSO, and it's been, has been night and day, different how they do. Uh, so I just, I just want to say, soccer. He, he loves it absolutely. Uh, I think it should be a bigger sport in this country than it is. And yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that uh, organ you know, volunteer organizations like ours and other ones that will end up making that happen
2: eventually. It might happen too with everybody's worries around American football, uh, with like CTE and oh, and trauma that'll issues.
4: kill soccer too. Every oh, really every soccer player has CTE from Man. hitting the ball too.
2: It seems yeah. like anybody in sports does.
4: Yeah, I would I would encourage you to keep your kid in AYSO. You won't really see a lot, whole lot of politics until you get to club soccer, especially in Montgomery. Oh, yeah. Well,
0: uh, my, my wife's actually the regional commissioner, so she, he's going to be in it for a while. All right. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, y'all have a good evening.
4: Take care.
2: Oh, but, yeah, I was telling you off air I like watching these round tables uh, mm-hmm. for the Hollywood Reporter. I don't watch the Oscars. It's too long. It's usually like, okay, there are some great movies. I just want to watch the movies. Like, the some of the self-aggrandizement's a little much for me.
4: I would. I had a different word in my mind. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Starts with an F. Rhyme, uh, rhymes with relate. Oh. Oh yeah.
2: A little. Oh wow. Yeah. Born to hand job, baby. For some reason that dance always makes me think of something dirty. I don't know why. But. Uh, I don't like watching the Oscars themselves, but these roundtables the Hollywood Reporter puts on are fascinating, Mm. where it's like the top actresses, top actors, directors, cinematographers, producers, and they just talk about the movie business. And one point they brought up that I just haven't thought about, but it's true, is 81% of Americans said online that when they're watching television, they have a second screen that they're looking at, too, which – and I'm holding up my smartphone, folks – that – People don't just sit down and watch something. They're always distracted. They're always right. reading something. And now, if it's, I'll say I do that when you know Andrew and I and Jonathan. And I watch Match Game or watch the new Gong Show. Which, by the way, I hope that comes back because the the host's like, "Who's a cheeky monkey?" The first time I watched it, I'm like, "Is that Mike Myers?" Yeah.
4: It was Mike Myers.
2: Yeah, Tommy Maitland. If you go to ABC's website. It says the host is Tommy Maitland and gives a whole bio. He's like an old British comedian who's known for his dirty comedy. Did interviews with Entertainment Tonight as Tommy Maitland. But if you look at it, it's like, oh, that's like every character Mike Myers has ever done just rolled into one. And he's great. Like, he found his calling as like a crappy game show host. (laughs) So when I'm watching something like that, I'll have my other screen up and really the way I view it is my cell phone is my first screen just from the fact of like I cast off this onto my television right? but if it's a movie i watch Darkest Hour Saturday night I want people to shut up, I want them to turn out the lights I want to turn it up I want to focus on the damn movie mm-hmm. I don't like the whole interrupting and oh wait for this part it's like no quiet, let me watch yeah
4: like, uh... we talked about it it was something similar when we were talking about how sometimes we find a song that we really like and we're like, dude, you got to listen to this. And then that person doesn't react the same way. Yeah. And it's because they were in a different headspace. Yes. I just, when I, and I'm I'm with you on this when it comes to like sitting down and watching a movie. Like, I just want to watch the movie. Like, don't mess with my headspace, right? so to speak. Let me just
2: enjoy and take this in. And, you know, speaking of Headspace, how things can move you in a particular way, one of the people on the writers' roundtable was the woman, I can't remember her name, she wrote The Big Sick alongside her husband. Um, And The Big Sick is essentially about, uh, it's a little bit about being an immigrant in the United States, in this case an Indian, uh, or no, excuse me, Pakistani that's quite the mistake. Um, he's a Pakistani immigrant, and what it's like. Like uh, one scene they showed, just a short clip, was like an American white guy sitting down at a lunch table with him, going, "So, nine eleven. Think, what about nine eleven? Like, I've never, um, never discussed nine eleven with one of, uh, with people. Like, you've never talked about nine eleven with people. Do you mean a Muslim? <laughs> And so there's silly little moments like that, but really the movie's about, uh, you know, a couple that meets and they're kind of having fun. The guy's a struggling comedian. Uh, and oh,
4: yeah, yeah. His name's Kumail something. I'm, yeah, I don't like
2: that guy. he's great. I've seen him on a few uh, roundtables.
4: Agree to disagree, then.
2: Oh, you don't like his stand-up?
4: Oh, no, I've never seen his stand-up. I just don't like his Twitter personality.
2: Oh, okay. See, I've never
4: seen him on Twitter.
2: Like he, I saw him do an interview where he talked about how he grew up in Pakistan. hmm And he had never, other than, like, his mom or aunts, he had never, ever touched a woman. Like, just a handshake, a hug. uh, Because he was taught... That's unfortunate. uh, ...that if you do something sexually impure, it's like stabbing the Prophet Muhammad's cousin in the back. Some reference to their tradition. So, when he moved to the States, he's showing up at this high school as a freshman in high school and he meets the principal and the principal reaches out her hand and good to have you here and he's like shook her hand and in his head he's like I'm so stabbing the prophet Muhammad's <laughs> cousin of the back right now and I mean he's, he's got a, a nice touch to him but my point is that the, his uh, wife it's based on their own life she got really sick and so a new couple getting through that battle of a sickness And they said in real life, the big turning point moment where I knew he was in for the long haul, whether I was sick or not, was he came into my hospital bed, had it pulled out his laptop and put on Groundhog Day. And they watched it together in the moment. It meant so much to them. It was like the moment they remembered of they're going to be a couple for life. But how do you capture that in a movie? Like two people sit down in a hospital bed and watch a movie themselves it doesn't have the same sort of applause moment that you would like. Her point is that even though something might have actually happened in your life, when you're cr- trying to create a story about it, it's not gospel. Like right. The whole point, and sometimes I think movies get too realistic, the whole point of a great movie or play is that it elevates it a little bit above what's actually real. Like, great, like Sorkin. Sorkin was on this writer's roundtable as well. So it's about musicality. Like Sorkin grew up uh, going to plays in New York that uh, he was even too young to understand, but he remembers as a kid the musicality of how people talk to one another, how dialogue worked. And out of that, he just started writing. And Sorkin's an interesting type of writer, kind of one after my own heart, because he said, most of the time, I'm not writing. I'm laying on my couch, probably having a drink doing nothing, worried about how much I can't write (laughs) and then eventually it comes up where, okay and uh, Sorkin's advice for any potential writers out there intention and obstacle somebody has to want something something is stopping them from getting it there's your whole structure as he put it, there's your clothesline you can hang a bunch of laundry on you can do whatever, where it's nifty dialogue or it's really cool imagery and deeper meaning, special effects As long as you have intention and obstacle... And he said, read Aristotle's Poetics. It's like 60 pages. It's a dense 60 pages. I read it over a weekend, and it's a little much. And I don't think I'm prepared to start writing. But There's just so much I want to do, Troy.
4: So So much much. writing?
2: I want to write. I want to make music. I want to make love all day long. Wait, I just said that out
4: loud. That's okay to say that out loud. I
2: mean, it's true. It's what my mind always goes back to. People ask me these questions... My mind's like... I posted it on the Book of Faces the other day. It was really a little pig scratching its butt on the post, but it looked like something else. It looked like that pig was doing the butt dance. The, the butt dance? Yeah, you've not heard that story? That phrase? Whenever our dog Nike would hump somebody showing dominance, my brother, who was little at the time, would go, Ha,
4: ha Nike's doing the butt dance!
2: Oh. Yeah, so I wish I could do the butt dance all day. And it's just not going to happen probably get tired throw out your back yeah. yeah i don't want that no that's why i do so much yoga yeah that's what i'm doing when i'm doing yoga i refuse to wear yoga pants they have yoga
4: pants for men i suppose
2: hmm. i don't i don't I, I do it in my room so i just do in my underwear
4: do you do it with a robe on
2: <laughs> no <laughs> no i don't wear a robe
4: probably probably pretty, pretty cool
2: yeah, if I did yoga in a robe?
4: That would that'd probably be pretty
2: cool. Yeah, I would, all the people would come running. Just watch Joey.
4: No, just just for you. Just, you know, oh, just just for for me? some me time. Yeah, In a robe, doing yoga, feel kind of like a Jedi. Good point. Good or a point. wizard. Yeah, just
2: stay in one position the whole time. Build up that muscle. Yeah. That endurance.
4: Yeah, the yoga poses I've been having to do for my back has, like my shoulders are nice and strong now yeah I, my shoulders are strong my my lats yeah feeling good get the core going
2: my traps mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now let's uh, go back to the phone okay 272 as long as it's not about traps okay 2729228 you're on there who's this hey this is Rasta man how you guys doing oh i'm doing great how are you hey
3: great great <laughs> You you know I'm the Rick Peters of Tuskegee now.
2: Oh, yes. You are making a lot of things happen. Hey, I had a
3: really heavy question for you and Troy. You all were talking about uh, soccer earlier. Mm -hmm. When I was in college, I had a buddy from South Africa, and he made this really interesting observation that has colored my way that I see American football. This man was from South Africa, and he said that the soccer teams in South Africa are almost like religion. They're like, you know, just how we do Auburn and Alabama football. He said, but one cardinal thing is that that he did not like about American football is how players would trade teams. And it made me look at football in America a a lot differently. He said that football teams, if you traded a team, your family disowned you. It was like there's no such thing as trading. I, I wanted your opinion on that troy about soccer international soccer like that as a comparison because i mean do they trade teams in europe i mean do people do change teams
4: so i I think he might have been talking about the the south african league and and you find that in a a lot of smaller leagues um, okay because they're they're very very local very ingrained in the community and right the, the only way i could express it uh since I, I, I'm really, I don't know much about South African football, but I can express it in terms of locality from English right. football. So in okay. London, in the Premier League currently, there's like 12 leagues all the way down to okay. like the, the worst of the worst amateurs. But at, at the top right. of the table there, the top league in London alone, there is Tottenham, Arsenal, Crystal Palace, Chelsea. Um then you uh, a team that used to be in the Premier League but they're not anymore. There's Fulham. These are all teams that are based in London. Now mm-hmm. London okay. is it would it would basically be like if in the NBA every single borough of New York had a team.
3: Right. Okay, gotcha, gotcha.
4: Um and so you 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 can change teams, but you do not go to your rival. There's this gentleman I'm gonna <laughs> call him a gentleman because I right. don't want to get upset, but his name is Sol Campbell. And okay. he was a rising star in Tottenham. Very good defender. And he went to our biggest rival, Arsenal. And oh people boy. people do not like this man. They call him Judas uh, and a whole bunch of other things that are horrible. <laughs> um, and that's because he went to our biggest rival. And he did oh, it wow. for free. He like waited until his contract was... It was really sketchy.
3: Mm. Uh, oh, wow.
4: But, but yeah, so it would be like if every... If in New York, every borough had its own NBA team, that kind of right. localness. Does that? Um, what's a movie? The, is it Green Street Hooligans? Green Street Hooligans. Yep, that's another London team, West Ham.
2: Yeah, and that is a that's a fantastic movie. Maybe it's not always like this, but to see how intense some of the fandom mm-hmm. can be, uh, fantastic movie and uh, right. people essentially have fights. Hmm. Yeah, soccer fans are very intense.
4: Yeah, it's Very intense, it, yeah. it. It gets crazy. Like for example, yeah,
3: I was just curious about that. Yeah, I was really curious about them changing teams because this friend of mine said, "Oh, you, you your mother would disown you <laughs> if you changed teams."
4: You, you definitely see that in a lot of the smaller leagues, um, like in the Brazil league, or in the Argentinian league, you, or in the uh, let's see, the uh, the Mexican league has. It's it, It's kind of weird because they have two separate seasons, but. The the local rivalries there and the smaller leagues are a lot more right. passionate, right? Because in in like a city in London, there's millions of people there, so you can connect to a team and you can kind of hate your rival by proxy. Um, <laughs> but if right. if you're in say a small city in South Africa that has two two teams and one person who was has gone through that academy of a team, switches to the biggest rival, I could see how their parents would be like, yeah, that's not good. I'm disowning you. (laughs) Even though they might have done it for, you know, legitimate sporting reasons.
3: You know, it's interesting because after that discussion, it made me look at American football and how people just jump from team to team to team. And they'll go to the rival's team. Mm -hmm. You know, um... Jerry Rice went from the 49ers to the Raiders. I mean... Yeah, what was that? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it made me look at American uh, team sports a lot differently when I heard how passionate he was about his, his local team. He was just really so he, aghast at how Americans just, they have no loyalty. They just jump around for, for who, whoever has the dollar.
4: Yeah, it's, well, it's, ah. it's structured a lot differently as well. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. a whole lot. You have a CBA. You have right. a players union. You have a salary cap. Most, like, MLS has a salary cap. Yeah. Most countries right. don't have a salary cap. So that's why okay. when these, these sheiks that right. are princes, like Paris Saint-Germain is owned by Qatar, basically, the oh, country. Okay. Mm-hmm. So okay. they can pay $300. They can pay uh, Neymar, 300, Neymar Junior three hundred million dollars a year, oh, a wow. year. So he's wow, he's that. making like he's making so much money just a week. I think it's like three hundred thousand dollars a week, Holy and crap. they can pay him that because they they are a country,
2: yeah, <laughs> oil <laughs> wow. rich country.
4: But if there that were a salary cap, they wouldn't be able to do that, and teams have to get a lot more flexible with. Free and it allows for free agency and things like that. It would basically be the highest bidder, but it allows for rivals to come in and poach more than they normally would in, say, soccer because the team can simply say no. Mm-hmm. You're not like if, if a Tottenham player want to go to Arsenal, we'll say no. Uh, if if you want to go to Arsenal, Arsenal's gonna to have to pay 15 million more euros. Wow, that, that kind yes, of thing.
3: That makes sense. That makes sense. This is a great topic you guys got going tonight, man. This is excellent.
2: Well, and and I know that you like movie making, you like films, too. Uh, check out Green Street Hooligans. It's right in the wheelhouse, what we were just talking about. Fan- I'm going it's,
4: it's about fans of West Ham United, and a lot of fan bases have fan groups, and the most hardcore of those fan groups across the world are called Ultras. And I got you. they basically go around and beat each other up. It doesn't happen today. It was really big yeah. in the 90s. They had a lot of violence about it, but it's yeah, it's something similar that to that. Half. They call them firms in the movie, but and, and then, are the hardcore. Uh, and
2: then another soccer film that is so good because it, it gets into somebody's psychology. It's it, Looking for Eric. Oh, it is such Looking a good... Yes, Looking for Eric. Before you okay. can surprise others, surprise yourself.
4: Yeah, that's, that's, so that's not really soccer-based, but it does have Eric Cantona in it, who is a very famous French soccer player who was very popular in England because he played for Manchester United. Yeah. But that's a story more about how a father tries to connect with his children when he's not a part of the family anymore due to right. divorce.
3: That's excellent, man. You guys keep up the great work. Joey, you're awesome, man.
2: Oh, so are you, and i got to have you come in... One evening to talk about Lord of the Rings since you actually worked on that definitely, production? Definitely.
3: Definitely. Definitely. Whenever you need me, man, I'll be there.
2: Okay. Thanks, Rostaman. Man. Take care.
3: All right. Have a good one, y'all.
2: Bye. It's amazing in this job. You like connect with people. And years ago, I remember sitting and having dinner with Rostaman. Man. Great guy. Great guy. His kid plays um, himself, Rostaman Man Jr. Um, I don't think he's living around here anymore, though. Hmm. But he plays, writes his own music. Uh, great guy. And yeah, Rastaman worked in, I believe, New Zealand alongside Peter Jackson and the whole crew down there wow. for the Lord of the Rings films. He told me that after, you know, when you do a show, it's like if you write a book, you do a show, whatever, all the people you wanted or needed to meet before you did it, you meet afterwards. Right. You get the feedback, oh, I gotta redo the damn show. So uh, he's a great guy. Um, good to know him. And, and I didn't expect to talk about soccer tonight. I didn't. I didn't either. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm honestly a little tired.
4: Tired of soccer?
2: No, not soccer. Just generally. I think you can tell. I'm a little mellow today. I had to wake up early. No. um, It was more like the song I've been playing. "Desire." That's why I'm tired. Yeah, but that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to toot my own horn. Well, we gotta, I don't know, I think we should introduce people to our world more, start coming up with some, like, top tens, or maybe fighting about some stuff. It's the best thing comes out of debate. That's true.
4: So we need some topics. That's true, and it would be hard for you to disagree about anything I say about soccer. Right, because I I don't know. Just like I would, I could only disagree about libertarian things on principle. Well, yeah.
2: Yeah, well, and even I could these days. (laughs) And, well, speaking of that, tomorrow night... I'm um, going to do a phone-in interview a young woman named Rachel Mills. Uh, she's been involved. I think she worked on the Ron Paul campaign. She's been involved in libertarianism for years now, uh, over a decade. And she's a little bit burnt out, like I am. So we're going to talk and compare notes about why we're burned out, uh, what's the future of this thing we call libertarianism, not so much the philosophy, but uh, the movement, the political movement. Because it is... Bunkers at times. Like, I saw some video coming out of the last uh, convention they held with the 2016 election, and it was... there are some good people there. I don't want to speak ill of them, but it's just... it's silly season. Mm-hmm. This one guy stripped down to a thong and just started dancing on the stage. It was like, what are you doing? Was there an open bar? No, I think he was just making a statement. What and, kind of statement do you I, mean? I don't know. Last time I checked on the Libertarian Party, they were talking about the age of consent. Oh, Lord, which is just you don't even it might be an interesting philosophical what's the age of majority, which is a you know we have it at eighteen, though
4: we're pushing it up to twenty one in some cases, but or, or in like a historical context, like right. the age of consent laws for Alabama and when they came about, like I get it that's but, a,
2: but like if you're going so extreme that that's what you're leading off with talking about,
4: and you know just, you just know someone made a grass in the field comment, mm, you mm, know what I mean, yeah. No, I don't. Oh, okay, good. Good. (laughs) I don't know what you mean. Uh, It's a
2: wide, weird world. It is. Yeah. Well, I think that's the show. Good show. Good show. I was a little tired. That's okay. But I like talking soccer. Played one of my own songs. Yeah. Oh, and this song is a Desire by The Family, 1985. It's what I'll be listening to at home on vinyl. Thanks for listening. Join me tomorrow night. Talk to you all later. If you only knew
3: desire becomes a face happens happens if me read it Your body covers my towel Ecstasy is out It goes through hands, prevents us from knowing. The pleasures of love, what must I do to convince you? Isn't the expression of my complexion enough?